Hey, Dr. Morgan Nolte here. I hope that you are enjoying this holiday season with your loved ones, getting excited for Thanksgiving if you celebrate Thanksgiving. I am busy baking bread, baking sourdough bread. That is what I am bringing to all of the Thanksgiving meals. I absolutely love baking bread. And we just got done hosting a healthy holidays workshop. And in case you weren't able to attend live, or maybe you didn't know about it, we wanted to release this to our YouTube community and our podcast community so that you could get some insight into emotional eating and create your healthy holiday food plan so that come the new year, you don't feel like you've you know, sabotaged your weight loss efforts and you're going to spend 2024 trying to lose all the weight that you gain between now and the end of the year. So in this healthy holidays workshop, we put together a really robust training on emotional eating, helping you understand the emotional eating loop, understand your cues behind emotional eating and how this time of year, especially there can be a lot of cues for emotional eating. We're talking about like family members who maybe you don't see a lot, or perhaps you're feeling lonely or depressed this time of year because you've lost a loved one in the past and you're reminded of them, or there is sugar all over the office and you're having a hard time resisting it. Or maybe it's, you know, those special treats, quote unquote treats that are always just available this time of year. Um, someone said, you know, their grandpa's peanut butter balls or those special sugar cookies. And we're there, we're just surrounded by a lot more food and sugary foods than we are normally. And so our environment will be changing. And if your strategy isn't changing with your environment, you're not setting yourself up for success. I really hope that you enjoy this training and don't just listen. You know, I really challenge you within the next 48 hours to take action, write out your holiday food plan read it every morning. I guarantee it will help you be more present and more mindful to what food you are eating so that you are more cautious not to overeat and also enjoying the foods that you do choose to eat without guilt or shame. And lastly, before we dive in, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to this podcast every week. If you are a regular listener or maybe you're new around here, I am so grateful for your time and attention and allowing me to at least be part of your health journey. We recently surpassed 70,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and I would absolutely love to reach 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I'm going to leave a link in the description of this podcast episode for my YouTube channel. And if you haven't already left a rating and review for this podcast, I would highly encourage you to do so because if you're appreciating this content, that rating and review helps push this podcast up in the algorithm so that other people have a chance to learn about it as well. I hope that you and your loved ones have a very blessed Thanksgiving if you're celebrating that holiday. And if not, just have a great week. I would like a show of hands or maybe type yes in the chat. If you've ever thought about or learned about the differences between emotional hunger and physical hunger, because that's where we're starting this training today is just outlining the differences. So if you have studied that, if you are aware of the differences between emotional and physical hunger, put a yes in the chat so I can kind of know where people are at. Yes, 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 for sure. Great. So this is going to be a good review. Emotional hunger is what we usually deal with more during the it comes on quickly. It feels like it needs to be satisfied instantly. 
Um, so if you're a woman and you've experienced like intense chocolate cravings during PMS, or maybe yours are for like salty things, that's emotional hunger <laughs> triggered by hormonal changes, but you're craving specific comfort foods that are salty, sweet, they're high in carbs. You're not satisfied. Um, it may cause feelings of guilt, shame, or powerlessness. Um, the other things, yeah, woke in the bear is a uh, emotional hunger. Uh, it includes nostalgic hunger, and that really comes into play during this time of year, right? Because if we are experiencing nostalgic hunger, that's like someone had emailed, you know, grandpa's peanut butter balls um, or sugar cookies that are only available this time of year that are just so nicely decorated. Um, nostalgic hunger really comes into play when we have food cues around that aren't around all the time. And so that's why taking some intentional time to reflect this holiday season about how your environment is changing and therefore how does you how do your thoughts uh, how do your thoughts need to change and how do you need to be setting up your environment for your own success when it is going to be changing with lots more food and sugar. So that is emotional hunger. Another example of emotional hunger is learned or conditional hunger. And the best example of this is craving something sweet after dinner. That is a learned response after decades um, of your mom, maybe giving you dessert as a child growing up after dinner. So after dinner, the plate being empty, maybe for you, that is what is for me, is a cue that makes you want something sweet. So that's another example of emotional hunger. Physical hunger is different. Physical hunger comes on slowly. It feel like it, it feels like it can wait. Lots of foods sound good, um, especially protein. You're satisfied and you stop when you're full, and it doesn't lead to negative emotions. I don't know of one person who ever you know came to coaching and said I felt so guilty after having that piece of chicken or after having that steak. So. That is that those would be the differences between emotional hunger and physical hunger. So emotional eating strategies, we break it down how we were trained in our geriatric physical therapy residency. You can reflect for action, you can reflect in action, and you can reflect on action. The action being the actual act of eating. So let's talk about reflection for action first, because that is what you have the most control over. So the first big thing is to know your holiday food plan. And we have both Zivli members and non-Zivli members here today. So Zivli members may be familiar with the language of the personal faith formula. And that's like your daily mindset document that we want you to read every morning. And it may need beefed up this time of year to address specific food barriers. And so I like to either say add on to that document or create a separate document that's your holiday food plan. Now, what is in this holiday food plan? I have a really good, um, I have a really good example after this of what the holiday food plan can look like, but it needs to be unique to you. So as you're listening, you might want to grab a piece of paper, you might want to grab a pen and just jot down some notes, but I want you to commit to giving yourself 15 to 30 minutes in the next 48 hours. That's my challenge to you to create your holiday food plan. So the first step is to know your why. Why is it important for you to lose weight and or get healthier, just continue to be healthy? How does your life change? How do the lives of, lives of your loved ones change? 
you know, for me, it's important to be healthy so that I have the longevity needed to positively impact my children and grandchildren's lives so that I have energy and mental clarity to show up in my greatest capacity at work and at home as a wife and a mother. That is why my physical health is so important to me because it's directly tied to my ability to reach my highest potential. So another thing that goes into this holiday food plan is to know how you want to think, feel, and act around food. We don't, if you're going into a situation like, oh, I'm going to feel so restricted because everyone else is enjoying the drinks and, and the sugar and I can't have it. That is not the right mindset to go into that situation. So we're going to talk about, okay, what is the right mindset? Um, and then adding affirmations. If you're a person of faith, this is a great time of year to lean into your faith and add some Bible verses or just scripture verses on what backs your beliefs up, you know, and then write it down. Very important. Write it down. Read it at least once a day. We have, um, if you follow the podcast later in January, we have a lesson or early in January, we have a lesson lesson coming up about why this is so important or a podcast episode. And it's a lesson directly from our course on auto-suggestion, which is essentially how your brain learns new things, how your brain learns to act and behave differently than what you currently are doing now. So stay tuned into the podcast because we have really good episodes coming out about that. Okay. Uh, speaking of the podcast, I interviewed this guy, Martin Schur, and he's in his seventies and he ran his family business for a long time. This episode is not live yet. It's going live next year. Um, and he had, you know, after he retired, he said, I am going to figure out this weight thing and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to keep it off. And I'm going to use the skills that I developed as the CEO of my company to become the CEO or chief eating officer of my own life. And so he, well, he calls it the compassionate, the unstoppable compassionate chief eating officer pledge. So this is kind of like his personal faith formula or food plan. And this may resonate with you. This may not pieces may pieces may not, but that's why you're getting access to the slides and why I want you to take notes to say, Oh, I really like that line. I really want to remind myself of that every day. So I'm going to read it out loud. I am the unstoppable, compassionate CEO of my mind, body, and spirit. I control food. Food does not control me. I eat to live now. I no longer live to eat. Food is simply fuel for my body. So I eat what I need the most, not what I want the most. Um, so this is something he came up with, the nutrition score rules, period, and end of story. So I manage my nutrition score. That's probably not applicable to you. My mindset is now how little I can eat, not how much. This is the only line that I'm not crazy about because so many people under eat protein. So I don't want that to be your mindset. Like, well, how little can I eat? Um, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how to structure your plate accordingly uh, to be sure that you're fueling your body. Um, my mindset is now how soon can I stop? I eat to satisfy hunger only. I no longer eat for comfort. I no longer eat for entitlement. I no longer eat for reward. I no longer eat for celebration. I no longer eat out of boredom. I no longer eat because I am excited. That's my big one. Excitement eating is a really, that's one of my biggest barriers. I no longer eat um, just because I have a craving or want something. And I no longer eat just to clean the food off my plate. I avoid the uncomfortable feeling of fullness forever. I thought that was a pretty powerful line. I select more whole, healthy, nutritious food. 
I sit and eat slowly, savoring every bite. I'm sure there's so many women in here getting ready to host Thanksgiving. And that's a big um, challenge for you is standing and grazing kind of all day while you're cooking. That's a nice, a nice reminder. I stop at satiety 66. I asked him, what the heck is that? And he said, you know, on a scale of zero to 100, how full do I want to be? I want to be at a 66. He just chose a random number. So I think that's kind of a nice, helpful tool. If you stop at satiety, whatever that number is for you, and you tell yourself every single morning, I stop at satiety 66 or whatever that is for you. When you're sitting down to eat your meal and you're feeling yourself closer to 70, 80, that's going to, you're going to be triggered to remember, oh yeah, I stop at satiety 66. I'm full. I don't need any more food. Um, In fact, the hungrier, this is funny, the hungrier I am, the slower I eat and the slower I eat, the more I enjoy food. Uh, This is just for him, doesn't have to be for you. Every day is an opportunity to lose 0.2 pounds. I succeed in the moment, one moment at a time and one day at a time. I love that. I love this one too. I have an abundant, unlimited supply of willpower that never ends. I exercise for health, fitness, and enjoyment and no longer for weight loss. And I create my own new healthy itsy bitsy teeny micro habits for me to use for the rest of my life because I am the unstoppable, unstoppable, compassionate CEO of my mind and body. And I 100% believe that I will weigh X number of pounds and I 100% commit that I will, that I will weigh X number of pounds and I 100% will stay determined to weigh X number of pounds and stay within three pounds of that weight for the rest of my life. So this is a man that has committed. And so the first step in this entire healthy holidays journey is to commit right here and right now that you're going to do things differently this year. And he really dug into his own barriers and you're going to have to dig into your own barriers and create something like this that speaks to your barriers and then write it down, read it every single morning. But I loved that example and I wanted to share it with you. So another thing that I found so helpful when starting to eat less sugar was watching things that motivated me to eat less sugar, understanding the negative consequences that excess sugar can have on your brain health and your body is so important. So the, the one that really got things started for me was this fed up documentary Um, That sugar film is one. The obesity code is a book by Dr. Jason Fung. I have a series on YouTube about getting over your sugar addiction. And then if you like to journal, you could use this journal prompt and use that and then incorporate it into your healthy food plan that you're going to read every day. So in the slides that you'll get, we'll email you when all this stuff is ready. You can just click on these links and it'll actually take you to the documentary, to the film, to the book. So it's very easy to use. More ideas for reflection for action. So, but before I move on, I want to know, are there any questions, any thoughts about that healthy food plan? So if you kind of really resonated, I'm going to go back and I want you to just type in the chat, like what, what, uh, what lines really hit home for you in this CEO plan? Martin came up with? What lines are the most impactful for you that you want to put in your healthy food plan? Yeah. So Jessica said, every day is an opportunity to lose 0.2 pounds. Um, Love the definition of CEO, the chief eating officer. Yep. I satisfy or I eat to satisfy hunger only. Stop at satiety 66. I eat what I need the most, not what I want the most. I like that one too. Um, Awesome. Unlimited willpower, sit and eat slowly, savoring every bite. 
You guys, this is awesome. So I want you to remember these lines. Um, remember them. Don't just take this in and then forget about it. That's why you have to write it down. Awesome. So keep that reflection going. Keep that going in the chat. So more ideas for reflection for action. If you are a people pleaser, I would like you to put yes in the chat. And I am going to say recovering. <laughs> if you're recovering, you can put recovering in the chat too. Um, this is a hard one. You guys, being a people pleaser around the holidays can be very difficult because there's a lot of food peer pressure and you don't want to offend people by saying no to their food. But at some point, like we have to stop that. And so maybe in your holiday food plan, you write, I am not a people pleaser. I choose to, or I choose fuel foods that fuel my body. Um, or I eat out of my needs, not what other people want me to eat, something like that, something to address that people-pleasing tendency. You want to be writing that down and telling yourself that every day. Um, practicing mindful eating. So we have some strategies on that coming up. It's very important um, to get at least 30 grams of protein per meal. And that can be like four to five ounces of chicken or steak or turkey. But you want to be prioritizing the protein first. Um, and staying hydrated by drinking about half of your body weight in ounces of water a day or until your urine is light, yellow, or clear. So those two things are going to be the most important habits aside from this daily mindset work to focus on going into the holidays and through the holidays. Water, not coffee, not alcohol, water, and at least 30 grams of protein per meal. Um, will you drop in the ultimate food guide link in case? So we have an ultimate food guide. It's free. You can download it. And it actually tells you how to calculate your daily protein needs. It has food tables um, with all the animal proteins, all the plant proteins, and then like serving sizes to get 30 grams per meal. So that's a really helpful resource that you can use during this time of year to be sure you're reaching that goal. Healthy fats and fiber are always great. Uh, the ultimate food guide also has tables for healthy fats and fiber. Connect with people you love. And I'm going to put an asterisk on that, like in meaningful ways to you. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like sometimes this time of year, you're in big groups and it's kind of like chit chat or just kind of chaos. I love sitting down with somebody one-on-one -on -one and having a conversation with them. And so think about how do I like to connect with people that I love and be intentional to do that. Um, another thing that we're doing as a family, we're going to, I think it's West Side's like Christmas pageant in Omaha. They have live animals. And I'm like, I want my kids to see that. That is going to fill my bucket this season to see the joy on their face when they see angels coming down the zip line and all that stuff. So think ahead, like what are some intentional experiences that you want to create that will fill you emotionally right now? Because this can be a difficult time. Um, it can be a time of stress and emotional drain, and all of that will contribute to emotional eating. So aim to sleep seven to eight hours per night. That's important because when you're sleep deprived, your carb cravings actually go up. Your hormones change. You are hungrier the next day. And then if you want to track your food, you can do that. Um, there's a link there. You can, it's zibli.com forward slash macros if you want to put in the link. We have free videos for how to start tracking your macros. That might be too much for you right now. I don't know about you, but if I feel like my nutrition is changing, then tracking macros is not the, the easiest things to do this time of year, but it can be helpful to track your protein. 
Um, a couple other strategies that you can consider for reflection for action to prevent emotional eating. That's what this is all about. Prevent emotional eating. Make daily movement a priority. So I want you know, a show of hands or a yes in the chat on are you moving at least 10 minutes a day? So 10 minutes a day is the goal during this season because a lot of times we get in. Yes, yes, yes. I'm seeing a lot of yeses. We get in this all or nothing mindset of like, okay, well, if I can't exercise for 30 minutes, then it's not worth my time. It's always worth your time to move your body, especially for your mental health. Find a time for relaxation, 30 minutes per day. You guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I, I really struggle with this one. I struggle sitting down and just turning my brain off. And so what I did, I don't know if it's going to work, but I wanted to, I purchased like this face mask. Um, and you're, it's like different light therapy, like red light therapy for your face. And I'm going to use that every day just because I want it to like to slow me down during this season. And so I can't be on my phone or anything because, you know, it's a weird mask. You just kind of have to be there. So maybe you need like a meditation app. Um, I don't, there's several meditation apps. The pause app is a really nice one. Um, headspace. But if you can carve out some intentional time for quiet restfulness, that's going to help reduce your stress and reduce emotional eating. I love this one. Proactive boundaries around sweets. Yeah. Someone said, I have that mask too. Good. Um, take note of this, Beth. So Christine said, my husband sabotages my efforts. Christine, if you can stay on till the end, I would love to troubleshoot with that like one-on-one. So can you make a note of that if Christine is still here? Okay. Um, proactive boundaries around sweets. This is what it looks like for me on a, on a general basis. One standard sized sweet a week on Saturday or Sunday, but that took me years to get to. So I started at three small pieces of Halloween candy a day, and then it was two, and then it was one, and then it was one on Wednesday, one on the weekends. And then it kind of got down to one on the weekends. That's my personal goal that flexes this time of year, right? I'm going to have if I want dessert on Thanksgiving, I'm probably going to have a little bit, but I'm going to try to reduce my portion size. And then I'm going to try to not have any that weekend. So my goal is still one standard size dessert a week. But if that flexes to two, because I'm going to two feeling get to it flexes to two. And I don't, I don't worry about it so much, but what I do control is my added sugar in every other meal of my day, right? So focusing on added sugar, that can be things like coffee creamer, um, switching from the peppermint mocha to half and half or heavy cream or milk, those little swaps can like save your sugar for the stuff that you really want. And that's really helpful this time of year. So another way for proactive boundaries around sweets, um, if you're used to having like a candy bowl, for example, in the middle of your dining room table or on your counter, I challenge you to put that away. And when it's out, like if you have company over, just change your mindset around it to be like, that's not my food. Or what I think is really helpful is don't look at it. So it's like out of sight, out of mind is really true. The more you just sit there and stare at the candy, the more you're going to want it. But I found that when I was trick-or-treating with my kids, I intentionally didn't even look at the candy. I looked past the candy. I looked around the candy, but reducing the visual stimuli to the sweets will help a lot. Even if you put it on a different counter so that it's not that automatic place, that will help. Um, this is a great tip. Start practicing mini sweets fast now to build your self-control muscle. So I gave you my example. Yours can look different. 
Um, and then a journal prompt for this one could be healthy boundaries around sweets for me look like, and then, you know, whatever, whatever it wants. So I would love your feedback. If you have something top of mind, or if you have something on your heart right now on what would be your ideal sweets boundary, put that in the chat. So put that in the chat on like, what would be your goal for how many sweets do you intentionally want to enjoy? And I would encourage you to add that to your holiday food plan. So that's, that was obviously not on Martin Schur's, but you could say, I joyful or I enjoy one standard size suite at each, um, that could be dangerous. I was going to say at each holiday meal, but if you're having them every day, that's, that's dangerous. Um, so whatever that suite is for you. So one suite a day, Marcia said, um, Rebecca said, I put the desserts in the laundry room and entertaining. That's a good idea. Uh, goal would be to stop after one. Usually that sets me off to gorge. So candy, a lot of times that's due to the all or nothing mindset and not priming with protein and water first. And we have a lot of other strategies to help with that. Um, so good. I love that you guys are doing that intentionality. A lot of it's like one sweet a day. I have a list I prioritize of like the five for the full season. So a type of pie, cookie, situation, work, treat, et cetera. And I like that getting really specific for each environment that you're in. And, you know, we're, we're kind of creating your general food plan, but you can create like micro food plans prior to each event. And I think that's really wise. So reflection in action. And this is where we have a magnet. I brought the magnet somewhere here, but I'm not sure where they are. Um, but it's a stop. So if you want one of these magnets, what I want you to do, we just put in support at Zibli.com. Um, we have magnets that show you this stop, space, time, observe, and plan. And so if you want us to send you a magnet, just email support at Zibli.com and like tell us your address and we'll we'll mail you the magnets that we have. We have two. So what this is, this reflection in action is my go-to strategy for the moments in time where you're like, oh my gosh, I had one piece and I just want to gorge, you know, just like Kenny said, and I want more, or it's Tuesday. And I said that my boundary was that I could have a suite on Wednesday. What am I going to do here? So stop stands for space, time, observe, and plan. So you want to create space, physical space between you and the food, go into a different room, move the food into the laundry room, bless you, go on a walk, do something. And then time, give yourself at least two minutes. You need at least two minutes to do the following two things, which is observe and plan. So if you want to set a timer on your phone, that's a good idea, but you're going to observe like, okay, am I actually hungry? Or is this emotional hunger? Uh, do I really want that? Or is this uh, an instant gratification thing? Am I actually stressed out? Am I actually tired? Am I suppressing emotions? What do I need right now? And then you, you make your plan. And obviously, usually that plan is going to include choosing strategies that don't involve eating the food. Um, so that can be chewing a piece of gum, brushing your teeth or using mouthwash. I highly suggest whenever you're going to a party, potluck, anything, pack gum and toothbrush or a mouth or mouthwash so that you can have a stopper at the end of your meal. And a stopper is something that you put in your mouth. That's a cue to stop eating. So those are the two biggest things that I would recommend that can go on your food plan. At the end of each holiday meal, I put a piece of gum in my mouth and I'm done eating for the night, something like that. So tell your brain what you want, what you want it to do. 
drinking a big, big glass of water, using a distraction technique. So um, my dad's technique, for example, he always says, I have to get up from the table and he'll go rinse the dishes off. So that's his technique to stop eating. Um, going for a walk is a great strategy. Starting a game, looking at photos, playing with your kids or grandkids. Um, coffee or tea can also be a nice like stopper for a meal. Very simple. Uh, tell yourself you can have it later. So, you know, if you're in this stop space, and you're like, I really do want it. Just say, okay, if you still want it in five or 10 minutes, you can have it then. And then remember the three magic words, just no thank you. That's always a strategy. Uh, Martin Schur, the guy who wrote that compassionate CEO pledge, he had a really good tip to count to three before you eat. So that's another good strategy. If you just start that now, I actually have that on my personal faith formula. I count to three before I eat. I don't always remember, but I know that if I tell my brain that enough times, it will start to remember. So I want to know like what on this page is your favorite strategy? What do you see yourself using at the party? Uh, maybe if you're hosting, what's going to be your plan for when you want to keep eating, but you want to stop eating more? So chew gum, uh, licorice, spiced herbal tea after dinner for me satisfies the sugar. That's an interesting. I have not had that. Thank you for sharing that mouthwash or gum, sip water. Um, I have used not in my food mantra. I, something like that. Uh, gum always works for me. The gum is convenient. Brush teeth or gum, drinking herbal tea. Yep. Good. Chew gum. Get up from the table, do something else like play a game. Yep. I love all of those. And also you guys can plan this ahead of time. Again, so even though it says reflection in action in your mind, you can be like, okay, right when I'm done eating, I'm going to suggest that we go for a walk or I'm going to suggest that we start a game or I'm going to get up and do the dishes. So um, reflection in action, I think it's helpful to have some mantras. So if you want to add these to your food plan, that can be really helpful. James Clear has a lot of stuff in his book, Atomic Habits. So am I doing this for present me or future me? Uh, is this extra cookie for present me or future me? That's a great question. We like to say, set your future self up for success. So make choices now that serve your future self, not your present self. Um, this is such a powerful line. The cost of a good habit is in the present. The cost of a bad habit is in the future. So like diabetes is such a great example of that. Like it can take decades to develop. Uh, but the cost of a bad habit, the actual diabetes, the actual lung cancer from smoking, that consequence is in the future. So every action you take is a vote for or against the person you wish to become. That's a really powerful one. If you're tempted to skip a workout, you can say every time I skip a workout, it get, it's easier for my future self to skip a workout. So I'm going to choose to do even five minutes. Um, and then building a new habit is not a finish line to be crossed, but a lifestyle to be lived. And that's why, you know, Zibli is a lifestyle. We don't, we don't advocate diets. We don't advocate foods that are off limits because we think we have to consider the whole person, their uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. It's all rolled in one. So we did reflection for action, reflection in action, which is primarily that stop method. Again, please email support at zibli.com if you want us to send you a magnet with the stop framework. It's like a three by five. You can put it right on your fridge and you can be reminded of that stop. Um, and then reflection on action. We have another excellent exercise for you to go through. I want you to pay attention and maybe come back to this if you experience an overeat over the holidays. 
So when we're talking about reflection on action, I want you to recognize that any result is the end product. What starts the result is a thought that produces the emotion and then the action, and then you get the result. So here's kind of an example of this. I'm missing out on celebrations if I'm not indulging in food, sweets, or alcohol. That is a thought, right? And then that leads to the holiday memories are about the people I'm with, not what I'm consuming. So that's a different thought. So you can see here what we're doing is we're identifying those thoughts that lead to emotional eating, and we're choosing a thought that creates a different emotion, action, and result. Another thought is I'm stressed and I deserve a treat. I've thought that one many a times after I put my kids to bed. Um, the other one are there are other activities that will help me relieve stress more effectively than a treat. And then another one is I have to eat all the leftovers. And then the solution to that could be I eat to fuel my body. And one thing that might be helpful for you in this time of year is think about when you grew up, did you grow up in food scarcity? Or did your parents grow up in food scarcity? And a lot of times that will really lead to, um, you know, finishing all your food as an adult because you feel guilty or you were sh like you were ashamed as a child for not finishing your food. And so those beliefs were handed down to you. But your current reality, I hope, is that you're not living in a time of food scarcity. You have an abundance of food and you finishing your food does not make up for the fact that someone else doesn't have food. So really digging into those beliefs around food and food scarcity and where those came from, I think can be really powerful. So let's talk about this clear strategy. This is what I want you to go through if you experience an overeat um, or an emotional eat. We do this a lot in coaching. So the clear stands for the C is circumstance and context. The L is your line of thought, your E are your emotions. The A is action and the R is result. Okay, so C-L-E-A-R. And all you do is you get a piece of paper and you write C-L-E-A-R down on the left side of the paper and then you write out the circumstance and context. So let's go over an example. We had this in uh, office hours recently. One of our members, um, she's lost a really good amount of weight and she was in the grocery store. It had been a stressful week at work. And she was like, I saw the cookies and I just bought them. And then I ate some of them. And I thought, okay, let's back that up and you know, and go through the circumstance and context. Well, it had been a very emotional week um, at work for her. And she she had, I think, family company over that was kind of adding some stress and adding some sleep deprivation. It was kind of that perfect storm, which the holidays can be if you're stressed and sleep deprived and you're around a lot of food to be overeating, especially overeating sugar recognize and give yourself grace and understanding for the context and circumstance that led to the line of thinking, which was essentially those look good, you know, and if she had um, maybe a little bit more sleep, more rest, um, she would have been able to catch that thought and be like, they look good, but they're not going to feel good on my body after I eat them, or they look good, but they're not serving my health, something like that. So the line of thought was that the emotions were, I'm just tired. I don't care. You know, the action was she ate the cookie. And then the result was she got to learn from that. So one thing to really do is never beat yourself up, never shame yourself, never guilt trip yourself. We want to be at, like, I love the phrase, you know, you either get the outcome that you wanted or the lesson that you needed. And so if you ever experience an overeat, yeah, that's not the outcome that you wanted, but you definitely got a lesson there. And you're going to have to discipline your mind to look for the lessons in every single circumstance 
so that you don't keep repeating the same negative or like self-sabotaging behaviors. So I hope that this is super helpful. I would suggest maybe taking a screenshot of this and putting it like as a, like on your desktop so you can pull it up later. Um, this is very insightful. So let's talk about the emotional eating loop. And this is kind of based on James Clear's, uh, oh, like the four stages of a habit. Everything starts with a cue. So let's go back to that grocery store example, right? She was stressed. Um, I don't know if she was hungry, tired. Uh, maybe you're mad, bored, you want to reward. All of those emotions that are triggered by a thought can be a cue. And if you can really get good at identifying your personal cues for emotional eating, that is going to be a powerhouse. And I have a podcast episode. I don't know if you're able to find it. And it was all about identifying your own emotional eating cues. It was pretty recent. So what happens then when you have a cue, it, it, you experience emotional hunger and a craving. Um, the cue might be seeing the food. It could be seeing an empty plate. It could be the emotional excitement. Remember, everyone has different cues. You have to identify your own cues. So then you emotionally eat and you may overeat. And then you get a quick dopamine hit followed by the negative emotions. So the, the problem with emotional eating is like the immediate reward is positive. The delayed reward or result is negative. And so sometimes if you stay in that, oh, why did I do that? Or, oh, I feel so guilty. Those negative emotions can then cue you up again to crave food. So that's why we want to be really mindful about what are your cues for emotional eating. And I will be sure if you make a note, I'll be sure to find that podcast episode if she can't find it here live and, and put that in there. So, um, so yes, 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 yes. So June said, Q, loss of a loved one, reminder, every holiday season, grief. Grief can be absolutely acute. Thank you so much for sharing that, June. Um, yes, Jessica said, loneliness, being away from friends and family is my cue. Yes. So June and Jessica, what I would suggest for that is being proactive. Like your loved one can't come back, obviously. Jessica, I don't know if you're able to like fly across the country and uh, not be lonely. That is so difficult. And thank you for being authentic and sharing those with me. I would challenge you to say, okay, what, what can I do to proactively combat the grief that I know is coming? Can I, I don't know what helps, you know, is it listening to, um, like I have an old voicemail of my papa singing, like, I can't even tell you because it's so inappropriate. He left a voicemail and never delete it. And so like when I'm missing my papa, I'll go back and listen to that or like looking at pictures or writing down 10 things that you're thankful for that they taught you. Um, Jessica, for the lon loneliness, like how can we be proactive against that? Can you schedule um, things that bring you joy? So kind of like I scheduled the Christmas outing with my husband and kids. Can you schedule something that you can look forward to so that when that feeling of loneliness hits, you say, I know that I feel lonely now, but I have this on the calendar and I'm really looking forward to that. So those would be my two suggestions. And if you have any others, just put them in the chat for like dealing with the loneliness or the grief. But I really appreciate that feedback. So when we're starting a good habit, there are four steps. So maybe your good habit that you want to start this season is drinking your water or eating at least 30 grams of protein a meal, or what I would really strongly suggest is creating that food plan and reading it every day, doing a daily mindset routine, I believe should be the first habit that anybody implements, make it obvious. So write it out, put it maybe, um, I have mine like right on my 
table right beside where I drink my decaf coffee in the morning. Maybe you create an audio voice, like an audio recording on your phone, and you listen to it every time you're commuting to work. Maybe you put it on your phone. Maybe it's the desk, uh, the screensaver on your desktop, but make it obvious so that you remember to do this new habit. Um, make it attractive. Sometimes my daughter Leah scribbles all over it and then I rewrite it because I don't like when it's all messed up. Um, make it easy. So make it simple, make it short, make it speak to you. If it's too much, your brain's not going to want to do it. And then make it satisfying. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. Like if I do this seven days in a row, I'm going to go buy myself a new pair of earrings for Christmas, or I'm going to buy myself um, you know, a new top or something like that, if you really need that. But usually making it obvious and easy is, is good enough to start a good, to start an easy, good habit. Um, so another way to make it obvious is put it on your calendar, make it a recurring reminder every day on your calendar, read your food plan, read your food plan, or read your personal faith formula. Um, using habit stacking. So I always do mine with my coffee in the morning. I'm always going to be drinking that. So I, I habit stack it. You stack one habit on top of the other, um, stack a desired habit on top of an existing habit. Another example is like my son has sight words for kindergarten. And so we habit stack that on like right before we read the bedtime book, which we do every night. Now we do our sight words and then we, we read the bedtime book. Um, design your environment so good habits are visible and bad ones are invisible. So always keep your water right beside you. The second that this thing is empty, I'm filling it up again. So that's how I do that. Um, with your proteins, for example, you can design your environment by batch cooking a bunch of meat on the weekends to have your protein readily available. Um, you want to get that sugar out of sight, out of mind as much as possible. Making it attractive. So again, you can use temptation bundling. This one is um, like when I don't feel like walking or I don't feel like working out, I pull up a podcast that I really want to listen to and I do it at the same time. So temptation bundling is like pairing an action you want to do, which is listen to the podcast with one that you need to do, which would be like exercise. So there, the example there was logging your food. Join a culture where your desired behavior is the norm. Um, you know, unfortunately... Being, a, a, I don't know how to say this compassionately, but you know, unhealthy is the new norm. Um, we know like over seven out of every 10 adults are overweight or obese in America. And so we understand the importance of creating a safe community of people to, to share their challenges. And even if you just have one buddy throughout this holiday season, it can be us. You know, you can email supportedively.com. If you need a buddy, we'll be your buddy. You can message me on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Nolte. I'll be your buddy, but find some sort of support system there. And then making it easy. So when we're talking about like food logging, moving the app to the, to the dock so that you don't have to swipe, like swipe through, uh, reduces friction. Um, prepare your environment to make future decisions easy. So setting out your work clothes or your workout clothes ahead of time is a great way to do that. This is one of my favorites. So using the two minute rule, any new habit should take no longer than two minutes. So if you're like, oh, I really need to work out today, but I have to cook and I need to answer emails just say, okay, just do the first two minutes, go put your workout clothes on and see what happens. Um, automating your habits. So there's some example there to log your food from one day to the next. Yeah, Christine had a comment. It's like bragging when my friends get together and talk about their illnesses. Yeah. You know, it's a social thing. And if you go out to like Panera Bread or something at like nine o'clock in the morning, you'll see a lot of 
um, seniors there. And a lot of their conversation is centered around their illness. And it's like, or like in the lunchroom at work, when I used to work in um, a corporate job, like I swear, like every single time I'd go into the lunchroom, the conversation was centered around like the latest diet that people were on. So making it satisfying, using a habit tracker, never missing, never missing twice is like a quote from James Clear. So if you missed your workout one day, get right back on track. If you missed your sweets um, boundary one day, don't just spiral for the next two to three days or four to six weeks, get right back on track with your nutrition plan and then give yourself a non-food reward for consistency. I tell you what, there's, there was someone who, I don't know if she's still on here, but, um, she had a goal to work out. She's a member and we were in office hours talking and she had a goal to walk five days a week. And I said, okay, great. This is still a newer habit for you. It's not quite automatic. Let's give yourself a reward for that habit. What do you want your reward to be? And she said, I want to get a pedicure. I said, great book it today, book your pedicure today. If you can prepay for it today, do it. And, but when you do that, you have more skin in the game to follow through. So if you can like stay true to whatever habit you're trying to do and give yourself a bookend of a reward, say, good job, keep going. So often we forget to do that. Um, and we're actually doing that today. We have a meeting, um, about like the next open enrollment program for Zivli and an item agenda is a massage, like booking a massage for that. So we book it ahead of time. Um, and then reflect on your wins for the day and week. That's really important. And even like the, the littlest wins, like a win of mine yesterday was not picking a fight with my husband. <laughs> I like, I just kept my mouth shut and I'm like, that is a win. I could have said something. I didn't say something. So it doesn't always have to be weight centered or food centered. It can be relational. It can be, um, reading your personal faith formula or your food plan, but you have to be recognizing what's going right because as humans, we are designed to focus on the negative for our survival. And that's why 98% of things can go right in a day and 2% goes wrong. And when you're laying in bed at night, you're thinking about the 2% that went wrong. So we can rewire our brains to be thinking about gratitude and what's going right. So now I'm going to kind of fly through this part, but to break a bad habit, what we want to do is the opposite. So especially think about candy and alcohol here. So make it invisible make it unattractive, make it difficult to get to, and make it unsatisfying. So making it invisible. Reflect on who you're with, where you're at, what time it is, and what activities you're doing when you engage in bad habits. This is kind of those those digging questions to help you learn the context and circumstance behind that clear exercise. What time was it? Who was I with? What was I doing? Um, How was I feeling? So like a great example is like popcorn after dinner. Okay, well, it's 8 p.m. I'm on the couch. I'm with my spouse. Uh, We're watching TV. Those are all of the contextual clues. And then you're going to reduce exposure or remove cues or change your environment. So whatever that bad habit is, keep the sugar, the nuts, things you may overeat in a separate room from the kitchen. Someone just said it, such as the laundry room. So right here, I want you to think about what is one habit that you're going to be focusing on? Is it sugar? Is it alcohol? Like what is like a bad habit that, you know, creeps in this time of year. And I want you to put it in the chat. So sugar, alcohol, um, overeating, and we're going to think about how can we make those cues more invisible? 
So sugar, Joanne, sugar, definitely overeating sweets, sugar, overeating alcohol. That's great that you're working on it. Both, um, not cooking, grabbing fast food. Oh, nuts. Yes. Nuts. Overeating chocolate. Yep. All great answers. And the nuts are tricky because like you can justify, well, they're healthy, you know, but it's, if you're still overeating calories, the weight's going to creep on. Oh, Jessica said skipping meals. Okay. Overeating sugar, nuts, move them further, chocolate and nuts. Yeah. So my challenge to you, like right after this training, go to the nuts, go to the sugar. If you, if you have something right now, that's tempting you move it to like the highest shelf possible, move it to the back of the freezer, move it to the garage fridge, but make it invisible. Don't make it obvious. Get those, cover them up with oil or something, you know? So make the sweets invisible. Um, make, and if you can't, then don't look at them. Like, for example, when I used to work in corporate, they always had so much sugar on this break table on the way to the bathroom. So I did one of two things. When I walked by that table, I looked the other way so that I wasn't visually triggered, or I would, I would take a different route to the bathroom. So making it unattractive, um, think about the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. You know, um, that can be, I'm going to be able to fit into my jeans after Christmas. Um, I'm going to have that reward that I set up for myself when I follow through. Um, thinking about the negative consequences of continuing the bad habit, journaling through these can increase your desire. So making it difficult. We kind of talked about that already. Uh, chewing gum while you're cooking is a nice little hack this time of year. Um, committing to only eating when you sit down. Um, Tony asked, is popcorn bad? I would suggest not having popcorn in isolation and not having it right before bed. A lot of people who've worn continuous glucose monitors do say that it does spike their blood sugar pretty high and it stays elevated overnight longer. So um, yeah, the portion control is also a little bit of an issue with popcorn. So Rebecca suggested like having the small bags, having it with some protein, like a you know piece of string cheese. So good, better, best, right? And then making it unsatisfying. I just read Dr. Gabrielle Lyon's book, um, Forever Strong. And she had a client and I don't know what the agreed goal was, but if she didn't do what she said she was going to do, she had to get a $20 bill and throw it out the window while she was driving. And she said, I only had to do that once. I think it was not eating after dinner. And then I didn't do it anymore. So if you can have a negative consequence for continuing that bad habit, I know that that doesn't sound very fun, but uh, yeah, when he's like, dang, but really, I mean, if you really want to hold yourself accountable, throw money out the window, right? Until that bad habit breaks. That's, that's pretty intense. So let's talk about some specific barriers that came up when people responded via email. So Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, New Year's, et cetera. We have a lot of healthy recipes. You're going to get a download of uh, a lot of healthy recipes in the replay email. Carp Manager App Premium has over 300,000 recipes preloaded with macros to make logging easier. What I typically do is I'll Pinterest or Google keto or low carb, then use a secondary keyword like low carb sugar cookies or low carb pumpkin pie or low carb salad. Um, there's always a healthier alternative. So some sugar alternatives, we typically use the sweet leaf stevia drops. Will you drop those in the chat? Um, those are awesome for hot chocolate. So we'll use milk, we'll use stevia drops, we'll use some cocoa powder to make our own hot chocolate, and it is delicious. You cannot tell the difference between 
that and the stuff with a ton of added sugar. Look out for sugar-free ingredients that still raise blood sugar. So like if you're looking at the sugar-free hot chocolate pre-made mixes, they're likely going to have sucralose, acylphane, potassium, um, maybe some maltodextrin, all of those things. Um, it might not raise blood sugar in the like like on your CGM, but it will alter your gut health and impair your long-term ability to regulate blood sugar. Maltodextrin definitely likely will raise your blood sugar. So even though it's like a calorie-free ingredient, watch out for that. You can switch your chocolate chips really, really easily. I like Lily's or Bake Believe brands for chocolate chips. The Bestie and Lakanto are good sugar substitutes. Um, the recipe key, the recipe keeper app is what we are going to be giving you. We have this, this healthy holidays cookbook. Um, we'll be updating that and send that out, but that, um, what you can just click on the link and then you can either print that recipe off, or you can, if you have the recipe keeper app, you can add it to your own. I find it super useful. Like I keep my grocery list on there. All my recipes are on there so that when I'm cooking, I can just really easily pull up my recipes. So some blood sugar hacks, we focus a lot on lowering insulin resistance. So we have to talk about blood sugar. If you're going to have short grain rice or white potatoes, you could cook the food ahead of time and put it in the fridge overnight to increase its amylose content, which is a type of starch, and that's going to reduce its blood sugar impact. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my potatoes I'm hosting on Saturday. I'm going to make my mashed potatoes on Friday, put them in the fridge overnight, and then reheat them on Saturday. I'm going to be having some raw unfiltered apple cider vinegar right before my meal. You can drink it through a straw to reduce that acidity on your tooth enamel, but that actually is a good hack for lowering blood sugar. And drinking this before the first meal of the day is also good for promoting healthy stomach acid if you kind of have some stomach issues this time of year. Another one is to go for a short walk or just move your body for like 10 to 30 minutes right after a meal. That's going to really help lower that post-meal glucose response because your muscles are going to be soaking in that glucose. Um, the type of activity is not as important as the timing. So if you have grandkids and you want to have like a little holiday dance party after you eat, um, if you want to start, you know, moving around the kitchen, even that's better than just sitting there and talking for like half an hour, 60 minutes after your dinner. So do it right after the meal if you can. Uh, the order in which you eat can impact your blood sugar response. So what we suggest is having the non-starchy vegetables um, like a salad that doesn't have a sugary dressing um, or like the green bean casserole, depending on how it's made. Sometimes those crispy things on top can be pretty carby. Um, that kind of helps line the gut, then have your protein and fat, and then the starch or sugar at the end of the meal. That will have a lower blood sugar response than if you have the potato and the roll first and the protein last. So that's interesting. Um, out of those blood sugar hacks, I think we have a couple more. Um, insulin sensitivity actually varies in the time of day. I always say, if you're going to have a cookie, have it at noon, not at 7 PM. So if you can time that holiday meal to be earlier in the day, that's going to be a lot better for your digestive system and your blood sugar response. And then if you can consider eating more of your carbs for your midday meal and less of them at your evening meal. So if you're having, you know, leftovers for dinner on Thanksgiving next week, have a smaller portion of the potatoes or the corn casserole or the roll at dinner time than you do at lunch. Um, so some strategies to not eat the candy, uh, buy an alternative or buy candy you don't like, um, put them out of sight, out of mind, use delayed gratification, like that stop method. Like if I still want it in five minutes, I'll have this much. 
And then we talked a lot about strategies for like the proactive in the moment and reactive ideas. Chew a piece of gum, have a cup of tea, have alternatives ready to go. Food peer pressure. Again, this usually comes into being a people pleaser. Think through your life. I know growing up, my mom always said it's more important how other people feel around you than how you feel around other people. And that was something that I really carried into my adult life that unknowingly led me to overeat a lot when I was at family gatherings or parties and people offered me food and I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable by rejecting the food. So I ate the food. And the truth is very little, like no one is thinking about you. I mean, think about you, like if somebody says no to you, it might sting in the moment, but like, do you remember it five minutes later or 10 minutes later? Probably not. So that's going to be addressing those people pleasing tendencies. Um, and some options are to say, no, thank you. Or I'm not hungry right now, but I'll try it later. Or can I just take some of it to go and I'll have it later? Um, take only as much as you want to eat at home to eat later. And honestly, if you throw it away, they're not going to know. Or if you have one bite and then throw the rest of it away, like right away, they're not going to know that way in case they ask you, Hey, what do you think about my pumpkin pie? Like, then you don't have to lie. You can at least say, Oh, I had, it was good. Um, and then use strategies already listed. Any other ideas for food peer pressure? I would love to see them in the chat. If you have some aside from saying, no, thank you. I'm not hungry right now, but I'll try it later. Um, you know, I'll take some to go those kinds of things. That's so those are the big ones. So if you have any other strategies, as we go through these, please add them to the chat. So seasonal, oh, she said, ask for the recipe and then adapt it at home. That's a good one. Yep. So seasonal foods have a plan. Oh yeah. When he said, I've gotten away with lavishly complimenting the food. That's good. Um, and then the effort without eating it. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, wow, those cookies look so good. Like I can't, like, I, I'm sure that you spent so much time making them. Thank you so much for making them, but I'm like not actually eating it. That's a good one. So seasonal foods, having a plan going into the meal and sticking with it, like pumpkin pie for me, I love, but I'm going to have one piece and I'm going to be done. Um, visualize that visualize one piece and I'm done period. Then I'm going to put a piece of gum in my mouth. Then I'm going to have the hot tea. Um, take only as much as you want to eat and then go home later, freeze the leftovers for portion control. Uh, if there's food around all day, that's going to lead to grazing if you don't have a plan. So have set meal times. I will eat between 11 and noon and I will sit down when I eat and I will eat one plate of food, getting really specific with the instructions that you're giving your brain. Um, drinking water or tea or find another fixation for your mouth and hands between meals. So maybe cleaning up, um, playing cards, all of that stuff. Um, Deborah said prior to going drink bone broth, 10 ounces, and then the protein keeps you full. That's an excellent one. Another thing you can do like a protein shake. So just get some protein in you before you go to the main meal. So you're not as tempted to overeat. I used to like not eat all day on Thanksgiving. And then I'd go into that meal really hungry and then I would way overeat. And so now these days, I definitely have a high protein first meal. It might be a little bit smaller, but I still get at least 30 grams of protein before that noon meal for Thanksgiving. Um, again, removing yourself from the environment, um, prioritizing protein, healthy fats, and fiber. So having this at mealtimes, prioritizing protein, prioritize those healthy fats and fiber, eat lots of vegetables, if you're going to eat anything, I really encourage like between meals, 
Maybe you can prep some veggies ahead, like the carrots, the celery, the broccoli, like a nice healthy veggie tray. So that if you're super tempted to snack on something, you have something that's healthy, at least to snack on. So getting back on track afterwards, we personally believe that unhealthy food can be part of a healthy lifestyle and that the all or nothing mindset usually backfires. So we encourage you to get off track, quote unquote, intentionally, um, because it's a needed skill for sustainable weight loss. The problem comes, it's not like the overeat is the problem. It's like the emotional backlash and the spiraling that happens for weeks after that's the problem. So I think we have to get honest with ourselves about, okay, let's put things into perspective. This is one meal out of a thousand meals of the year. Okay. So focus on moment by moment success and moment by moment decisions. So the other thing is to read your holiday food plan every day. I, that should be the priority, the priority thing. If you get nothing else from this training, make a food plan, read it every day. A meal plan for the following week or day that can help. And then tracking your macros. I always like to track my macros. Um, like the day after, if I overeat, I usually track my macros at least at least for half the day to just snap myself back into it. Um, I think that fasting can be a really good strategy this time of year, depending on your history, your psychology, that kind of stuff. But like longer fasting after a feast day is a really nice reset. If it's where, if it works with your menstrual cycle, if you're still menstruating, um, I usually say avoid any fasting longer than 13 to 15 hours around ovulation and the week before your period. But if you're postmenopausal, if you overeat one day, it is okay to not have breakfast the next day. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to crash your metabolism. You're rebalancing yourself. So think about that, but don't, I wouldn't use that as an excuse to overeat. Well, I'm just going to overeat and I'll, I'll just not eat tomorrow. Like that's not really the mindset that we want you to have it have. It's just, if it happens, be gentle, be kind on yourself. Another thing you could try is a protein sparing fast. So only having protein the next day. So kind of like a carnivore ish diet for a day to help reset your gut, reset your mindset around food and really cut those sugar cravings. Cause I don't know if any of you have tried a carnivore diet. I tried it for three days, did not like it would not do it. But, um, and I just tried it because I wanted to experiment. I don't, for me, it's not a healthy lifestyle, but it can be a nice little reset, even if it's just for like one or two meals. So changes in fasting. So some questions, what if the holiday meal changes my fasting schedule? Maybe you're someone who does, you know, your first meal at two or 3 PM and the holiday meal is at noon. So what I would encourage you to do is if you're used to like a 16 hour fasting window, just modify your eating the day before the main, the main meal, or don't worry about it for a day, like get rid of that all or nothing mindset, but plan ahead to shift the eating window as needed plan for a longer fast or fast following the feast day. Again, it's just a couple of days out of the year. We don't need to make it more than that. So what if I'm not in charge of the menu? Plan ahead to increase your protein, fat, and fiber intake at other meals during the day to increase satiety and decrease portion size at meals when you're not in charge. Offer to bring a high-protein, low-carb side dish uh, if possible. Use hacks to control the blood glucose. You can even pack um, like apple cider, like vinegar tablets are definitely better than the gummies. So if you want to pack a couple apple cider vinegar tablets in your purse and kind of have them about an hour that's going to work better than the gummies that are loaded with sugar. Um, so hydrate and control your portions. I use the one plate rule, but I don't stack it super high. Like 
um, what sometimes I don't remember who said this, but they said, have white on your plate, like challenge yourself to have white on your plate instead of just piling up the food. Uh, for me, one of my rules is no seconds. If I want it, I can have it for dinner later that night. And then again, boundaries around sweets, starches, and alcohol. We will, will you, um, put that alcohol podcast in the chat. I did a really nice podcast episode with James Swanick around alcohol. And I, I think that was the summer and I've had like one drink since then. It was super, super motivating for me to not want to drink alcohol. And we know that alcohol impairs your judgment. We know that it increases carb cravings because it's metabolized the exact same way as sugar in your liver. So the more alcohol you have, the more sweets cravings that you're going to have. So just reckon, and it's empty. I mean, he, I love how he said, it's not just empty calories. It's like sugar. Sugar is not just empty calories. So back-to-back food, multiple big meals on back-to-back days. Um, so see strategies for how to get back on track quickly, see strategies and hacks to lower blood glucose levels. Recognize that just because someone is eating one way doesn't mean that has to be how you're eating. If they're piling their food high, you can control your portion sizes. You can do this. So plan ahead to have the one plate rule, keep white on your plate, no seconds, use your stoppers. So these are the kinds of strategies that will work to reduce overeating, but we can't ignore all the proactive stuff, the mindset stuff, hydration, water, sleep, stress management. It all helps to reduce emotional eating. Uh, this, this used to be fine for sure. Uh, you want to try everything. You got the scotch roos, the grandma's lemon bars, chocolate pie, pumpkin pie, all the things. So plan ahead to set boundaries around portion sizes and sweets. Use allowing language. Like instead of, I'm only going to let myself have one dessert, say I can have anything that I want. I choose to have this. And I like to remind myself too, like I've had scotcheroos before. I ha- I've had those lemon bars before. I've had sugar cookies. Before. Like I know how it tastes. I don't need to taste it again. And so I, I choose my language very intentionally. I'm using the stop strategy for reflection in action. One time I had a client and she had this exact problem. She's like, but Morgan, there's like pecan pie, there's pumpkin pie and there's chocolate pie. And I want to try all of them. I said, fine have all of them, but can you have like one piece one day and then one piece the next day and then one piece the next day to spread out that blood sugar insult that the pie is going to cause that blood sugar spike. And she's like, oh yeah, I can do that. So play around with your strategies until that's the energy that you get. Oh yeah, I can do that. That doesn't sound too bad because we want it to be light. We want it to be fun and we don't want you to feel restricted. Yeah. Rebecca said, I have found that putting gelatin or collagen in tea or coffee helps with cravings. Rebecca, do you have a preferred brand for that protein? Because I've used um, the Vital Proteins chocolate before, and I found that it was clumpy inside of my coffee. And so I didn't know if you had a preferred brand for that. Um, Someone had said less activity for the holidays. Um, Bundle up for an after-dinner walk. It is so good to get the fresh air, so good for your blood sugar. Um, We've talked about finding an indoor activity to move. And, you know, activity, I think is a mindset thing. And if we can address our limiting thoughts around why you're not moving, like I'm too busy, I'm too tired. um, I'm in pain. Like all of those are limiting thoughts. So really watch your I am statements because your brain will do what you tell it to do. And if you're constantly saying I'm tired, it's going to go looking for ways to prove to yourself that you're tired because that's what you're telling yourself. So I don't have time for a 30 minute workout today, but I do have time for a 10 minute workout. 
So really breaking it down like that. So Deborah said, traveling to Disney World, set up to have a refrigerator in the room and take low carb items like boiled eggs, pre-cooked bacon, chocolate, zero chocolates, et cetera, so that I won't be tempted when eating with family in the parks. We'll try to eat keto type at the parks when needed. And Deborah, someone had told me once that they were like one of their wins was they were at Walt Disney and they asked for like double protein. So if you if you do find yourself in that situation where you need to eat, um, you can ask for double protein or she, I don't know, it was like a vegetable tray with hummus or something like that. And she ate what she wanted and she threw the rest away. Um, ideas to not overeat. So these, this is the mindful eating that we talked about earlier. It can take 20 minutes for your brain to sense that your stomach is full. So putting your utensils down and taking a sip of water between each bite. I don't know about you guys, but often I'll like be eating and I'll catch myself putting another piece of food in my mouth before I've even swallowed my last food item. And so I think that comes out of like being a mom of young kids and just feeling like you have to rush every meal. But this holiday season, a big goal of mine is to literally look at the clock and say, I challenge myself to take, you know, 20 minutes to eat my meal. Focus on the experience and the people around you instead of like, oh, when can I have that pie or when can I have those cookies or is it dessert time yet? That that used to be my mindset. And then if possible, remove yourself from the environment. So when I'm done eating, I'm going to get up, help with dishes. I'm going to go help with the kids. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to get away from the food. Um, some other ideas, drinking a big glass of water within 30 minutes. Again, prioritizing the right nutrients. Um, recognize, and I have to teach my son this all the time. Like if you eat starchy and you will want more starchy and sugary foods. Same goes with alcohol. You have it, the more you will want it. And then recognize we're not getting into the nutrition nitty gritty here, but you know, things like fiber, protein, fat, they trigger your satiety or fullness hormones in a way that starches and sugars do not. And sugars, especially fructose will make you hungrier. They actually increase your hunger. So being mindful of that. And then we kind of talked about portion control, um, only taking home what you want. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can't have any more. And then I want you to type any other ideas that you have in the chat to avoid overeating or to get back on track quickly. And then I'm going to read Rebecca. Rebecca said, organ collagen peptides melts directly in your coffee. Great Lakes culinary gelatin needs to be hydrated in a little water before stirring into hot tea. And then I use bone broth to add more protein. Great. Joanne said, I put uh, the collagen with a tablespoon of MCT oil mix and then add it to coffee and tea. Good. So if you have any other, and the MCT oil has actually been like proven to show like it helps with satiety. So if you are going to fast, maybe like trying some MCT oil before to give your body just a little bit of a bridge before that meal. I hope you loved that presentation and got some really good insights on emotional eating. Perhaps you're going to make your own holiday food plan or modify your environment to reduce those emotional eating cues. I did not include the live Q&A in this podcast recording just to protect the privacy of the people that we were speaking with. Um, but if you would like to get the slides for this presentation so that you can see some of the links and resources that we were talking about, please just email us at support at zivly.com and let us know that you would like to see the slides and we will send them to you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday and I'll talk with you again soon.